Hi, everyone. I'm Jack Cush from Dallas, Texas, and I'm joined by. Hi, I'm Dr. Rachel Tate out of West Palm Beach, Florida. And we're here to talk about our new website and our new podcast. Stillsnow.com is the website. Stillsnow is the podcast. You're listening, so you found us somehow. Uh, Stillsnow is a website that um, I probably started working on uh, about two years ago or so, and it just is a way of putting up a calculator to make the diagnosis, but has evolved. And in the last uh, nine months, Rachel and I have worked hard on updating this website, modernizing it, making it useful to physicians and to anyone else that's interested in Stills disease, uh, et cetera. So our mission is to provide educational content for physicians, but also to patients and concerned individuals who are worried about or wanting to know about Stills disease, whether it's in adults or in kids as systemic JIA, periodic fever syndromes, and the auto-inflammatory diseases. So again, this is a good resource. Uh, again, you'll find there's a lot of things there. Um, Rachel, tell me what you think about the launch so far. This is our first month. Well, so we started our campaign in, uh, I think, around July 1st, actually. And I've actually been really interested in the uptake of how many people are interested in what we're saying from an educational standpoint, both from physicians, from patients, and from pharmaceutical and industry leaders who are interested in, you know, what's next and what's coming down the pipeline. For me, Stills Now was kind of that foray into transitioning the way that we think when we educate educators, not to educate just ourselves, but also our patients in terms of expectations, et cetera. And, and that's something I kind of learned from you, Jack. You know, this is, this is a rare disease, whether it's in kids or in adults, and only a few of us rheumatologists uh, and other specialists have a lot of experience with this. So it is the intention of this website to bring you the people who have a lot of experience, who don't struggle with the diagnosis or the treatment options. But I want you to know that if you go to this website, the first thing you're going to see is this page, the home page, which right up front slaps you with, do I meet criteria for Stills disease? And we think after much discussion and consultation with leaders that this is the single greatest challenge for physicians, for patients, for patients hospitalized, you know, with fever of unknown origin. Um, we need to know that this is a certain diagnosis. And being a condition, whether it's kids or adults, that doesn't have a diagnostic test, and it is a diagnosis of exclusion, you have to have a handle on the criteria that do exist for this syndrome. So that's what we have on this particular opening um, slide. And all you need to do is hit the button that says calculate my risk, and you go to this page which gives you a listing of symptoms and signs and laboratory tests that could be present right now or could have been recently present. And you just click the box as is accurate. And then the calculator does it all for you at the bottom of the page. It'll tell you whether or not you meet the Cush criteria, the Yamaguchi criteria, or the ILAR criteria. The Cush and Yamaguchi apply, could apply to kids, but are mainly designed for adults. The ILAR criteria were designed for children or individuals under the age of 16. So you can see that this particular constellation of positive findings like an enlarged spleen, being aged less than 35, swollen joints, high set rate CRPs, um, that this person has 12 points and meets the Cush criteria, 
has um, five points and meets the I, uh, the I, the Yamaguchi criteria, but doesn't can't meet the ILR criteria because the person is over the age of 16. So again, this is going to be a really helpful thing for clinicians and physicians. We'll see later in a survey question how often doctors use this kind of um, criteria approach to the diagnosis. What do you think, Rachel? What do you use? So, I mean, we've talked about this a lot in terms of how do you approach someone who maybe hasn't seen stills before? Because there's a lot of people who come out of fellowship, especially in adult rheumatology fellowships, and maybe haven't had the experience of seeing and treating some of these patients. So for me, it's not just about the um, potential for symptoms for a patient, but also kind of knowing that there are potential genetic testing that a patient can do. Um, another focus of our kind of foray into this, if you don't meet criteria on the STILS diagnosis calculator, we provide some excellent resources about myths and mimics of autoinflammatory diseases and um, other types of, you know, resources for people. You know, if it's not STILS, now what? You know, what to do in this situation and if you're thinking along this line, I think it helps to understand the diagnosis calculator, but the flip side of that coin is what happens if you don't meet criteria, you know, what right. do you look at next? And there are four, I think there are three or four things there. You mentioned the myths and misconceptions. There's also the now what? There's also <laughs> the referral network for an expert. Um, there's um, also genetic testing. These are all resources that can be used to further guide you if you don't meet the diagnosis calculator. The other thing, since we were so um, impressed with our calculator here, we made a calculator up for calculating disease activity if you do have the diagnosis. So that's another button from the main screen that you can click that gets you to the disease activity calculator. Here you can see another menu of active symptoms that you currently have active on your patient in the hospital or your aunt who's very sick and they're considering this diagnosis. You click all the ones, I clicked a bunch on the left and you can see that we, got, we had an activity score of four um, using the SDII, the Systemic Disease Inflammatory Index, that's my measure, but there's a modified PUSHO that also shows it's active disease and two other measures, SMS and SFS. The point being that Looks like there's active disease, but then you can, you know, maybe use this serially. How do you think this will be used, Rachel? Well, my hope, which is what we've talked about too, is that if anyone has a question about their disease activity, you can go to this anytime. You know, it's a continual resource. So I personally will be using it serially for my patients who have autoinflammatory and stills disease in general, predominantly stills, right? This is our stills disease calculator. Um, but I think. The goal would be, this is an ever-evolving potential disease state for these patients, right? Little ebb and flow. We can see patients who have recurrence of symptoms, who feel better after a while. And so I plan to use this serially for those patients, but um, I just, I don't think it's utility. It's just one and done. I think it's, you know, when patients get better on the right therapy, they get really better and you won't need a calculator because they're not going to have any of these symptoms. But when they're really active and you want to see if they're getting better, this could be useful. This is a hot button issue in rheumatology right now that there are no validated tools either in the pediatric literature or in the adult literature for doing this. Um, I just put up the ones that are out there. There's another one called the systemic um, JDAS that is also performed well in recent reports. And there's a committees that are actually working on this and developing this. I think that we'll continue to make this up to date as it becomes available. So 
other things that you can do on the website um, would include just signing up and getting, I mean, you can go to the website to do the calculators, either one, and that's, and you're one and done, but you can also sign up to receive our monthly newsletter and our monthly podcast, and you'll get an email that will show you feature articles, a few featured videos, a few featured podcasts that will be useful. And again, having uh, received and listened to this podcast, hopefully that means you're signed up and you will have received your monthly edition of the Stills Now Digest is what we're calling it. There are other things that I think you can also find on the website um, uh, and we call them resources. So we're, we're gonna be very heavy into new videos and new podcasts and new news and journal reports and stuff like that. But there's also gonna be these static information that's available for people to learn more about. Rachel, you worked on a lot of these resources that you've already mentioned. Um, tell us about how these resources might be used and which ones you like. Oh man, that's a hard question. So first and foremost, I think resources are important for both physicians and for patients, right? This is just part of what we do and having up-to-date information is important. So we will be updating these periodically depending on new information that's found, which is slightly different than what we will pr be providing um, with our monthly emails and other blasts that we're doing. But the resources page for me was really how you fine tune understanding for a patient and for a physician. You know, we have a really great um, one that you did, Jack, actually on labs and diagnostic testing for stills and other febrile disorders. I think that is a really important resource page. And then for me, something that I've always been interested in, and we have been interested in is pregnancy. And so pregnancy and stills disease, what are the patient's concerns and how do we answer those? So those, in addition to the two that I mentioned earlier, are really important for me. Clearly, I am an adult rheumatologist, just like you, but I do see a fair amount of patients. And so the systemic JIA frequently asked questions was a really important resource for us to do right, right. and predominantly getting the input from some of our amazing colleagues who just have a plethora of knowledge in SJIA patients. That was something that we really wanted to highlight so that it's not just for patients, but potentially patients' families, parents, anyone who may be affected by this. The great thing about these resource pages and, and most pages, in fact, is that you can print them out and, uh, and carry them around. Um, we wanted to provide a resource for referrals because these are rare diseases. Not everyone has seen them. Um, we're developing a referral list, a referral network. Um, and Rachel, you've been working on this. Where does it stand right now when someone wants to try to find a referral, a doctor, an expert, either to manage their uh, a, a child with systemic JAA or an adult with stills? Well, I think just like me being my infancy really of treating patients with stills disease, this is still in its early stages as well. So right now we've highlighted, highlighted predominantly pediatric um, care centers and pediatricians who are rheumatologists interested and who do treat and are published in um, SJIA and other febrile diseases. We are always looking for adult rheumatologists who are interested. We know we have the clinical background, um, but anyone who's really passionate about treating auto-inflammatory diseases, please reach out to us. This is something that we want to highlight you. We want patients to be able to find you. It's not enough just to have a resource page or um, a website, right? We need to connect the dots and make sure that we have a caring bridge for patients. Yeah, I think this is going to be 
really, again, we have lots of pediatric rheumatologists. We need more adult rheumatologists. Come up to us at ACR. We'll have a booth at the American College of Rheumatology meeting and tell us you're an expert. We'll get you on the list and you'll be one of those, those, those dots. So let's end with some fun. Um, those of you who are listening in are probably interested in Stills disease. In the last two weeks, we've run a, a series of quiz questions, surveys, if you will, of adult rheumatologists, mostly adult rheumatologists. I think about 10% are pediatric rheumatologists. And let's go through, Rachel and I will discuss a few of these questions. I think we have about um, eight or so to look at. So first question is, what do you rely on most in diagnosing Stills disease? The um, main answer from the rheumatologist, about, again, about 250 rheumatologists was symptoms and labs. The next most common was symptoms. So that was 41% and 29%. So almost 70%, that is everything. Unfortunately, only 23% said the Yamaguchi criteria, which was the right answer. Rachel, what do you think? So I think this just highlights one of those educational needs. And I hope that we are providing that, a bridge right. to that, a conduit by not only Yamaguchi, but the Cush criteria. I know who you are, Jack. Right. And the um, ILAR criteria for people. I think, I think this will be helpful. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the intent of our website, which is to say, please use the criteria. We've made it easy for you. Um, second, a great response to which drug is a presumptive diagnosis of Stills, uh, Stills diagnosis? Rachel, what do you think of these answers here? So I think this, again, it, most of these for me highlighted an educational opportunity for us to learn from each other. But in reality, no drug is going to give us, you know, an empiric diagnosis. So Treatment doesn't really help me in this per, this presumptive evidence of Stills disease diagnosis, but I learned that from you. Right. So a great response to steroids or an IL-1 inhibitor or whatever is great, but you're basically treated the mechanism of fever and, and inflammation without necessarily knowing the cause of that. That's really important. The third question is what early symptom of Stills disease is it? It's an early symptom and it's seen in 70% of people but it's often missed. The right answer was actually um, achieved by 56% of the rheumatologists, and they said a prodromal sore throat. Um, about 20% each said lymphadenopathy, splenomegaly, and, and a few said carpal ankylosis. Carpal ankylosis is a, is a late finding. Um, splenomegaly and lymphadenopathy can be seen early, but they can be seen midway through and late in the disease. It is the prodromal sore throat that goes away early on in the disease. So it's really an early manifestation that should be help you to consider the diagnosis of Stills disease. Let's go on to the, um, the second survey, which just went out a few days ago. I think we have over 100 responses already. Um, what, Rachel, they, what, the question was, what dose of prednisone is needed to control the systemic features of Stills disease? And two thirds of people said either 40 milligrams or 60 milligrams, but what was the right answer? So that's really close, but it's 60 or above. Um, you know, low dose steroids are ineffective in this, especially for treatment for patients. So you really got to use those higher dose steroids. You know, low dose might be good if they only have arthritis, but if they have, you know, fever, rash, pericarditis, they're losing weight, anemia, crazy looking labs, they need high dose steroids. And then maybe something else like a cytokine inhibitor, um, that might be the way to go. Which drug is FDA approved for use in adult onset Stills disease? The options were canakinumab, anakinra, tocilizumab, prednisone, and all of the above. 
Um, all of the above was a choice of 33% um, of people. Um, the only drug that of all those that is FDA approved for adult still disease is canakinumab, which um, was uh, seen in, actually that was 33% of people got that right. Um, but yet people still think anakinra is FDA approved. Not so, no. Now, some of these drugs are approved in systemic JIA, right? But not necessarily in, in adults, only that uh, kind of kidney. The last question I think I, I wanna go over here. Oh, yeah, this would be the last question. Is the ACR guideline, has new guidelines on the treatment of kids with systemic JIA, and it re recommends what as initial therapy? And um, the right answer was um, the 27% people got it right. And that was IL-1 or IL-6 inhibitors, the biologics. About half the people said all of the above, which included NSAIDs and DMARDs. And that's clearly not right as initial therapy for systemic JIA. You could use NSAIDs. They said it's, it is okay. But honestly, if they've got active new newly diagnosed systemic JIA, most of those are going to need IL-1 or IL-6 inhibitors, right? So, okay, let's go. Uh, if you go to the website to, to look at any of this, you're, you're probably going to get a pop-up that looks like this on the left. If you sign in, give us your email address, you know, declare that you're a rheumatologist or a patient or a pharmacist or a nurse, um, we'll send you the email once a month. And it's only once a month, but you'll get the latest and greatest on stillsies and you'd be hearing from um, people who are truly expert in this area. The podcast um, today is our opening salvo. Rachel and I have worked hard to put this together. That's why we wanted to introduce this to you. But future podcasts are going to have a news update and regulatory announcements. But we're going to focus each episode on either some aspect of systemic JIA or adult stills or an autoinflammatory syndrome or the approach to fever or genetic testing. There's a long list of experts that we want to bring on the monthly podcast to talk to. So um, Rachel, thanks so much for all the hard work in putting this together. What's your hope for the, the website going forward? I just hope that we rheumatologists will look at this as another opportunity for resources for patients. And the patients will look at this as kind of setting expectations, understanding, and better communication between their entire care team. I hope you'll use it. I hope you'll enjoy it. And I hope you will give us feedback and obviously join um, part of our Beyond joining the monthly podcast and, and signing up for the newsletter, if you are interested in being one of our experts, please let us know. We are looking for resources for our patients. Absolutely true. All right. Tune into more on stillsnow.com. Thank you.